Welcome our online campus folks. Let's, let's give a appreciation to them. We welcome you. Thanks for coming. I want to encourage you to grab some paper and some pen or, or pencil or whatever you want to write with and, and take copious notes. Um, where I'm going with this is going to be eye-opening. It is going to be maybe something you've at least heard the terms of before, but if you're like me, I've been doing some studying from uh, on this subject, Miles Monroe and Tony Evans, different ones, and uh, what I'm about to start preaching on, this is a very introductory message today, and um, it is uh, not anything I didn't really know so much as I didn't pay attention to. How many of you have ever read something in the Bible before? And you just sort of skimmed over it. Maybe you didn't really put your thoughts into it. You really weren't understanding the concept. Am I the only one that that's uh, happened to? Okay. Well, this is what has happened to me with this. And as I began to dive into this, I began to realize just who I am in Christ Jesus. Wow. I began to realize what the kingdom of God is all about. I began to realize that I, my thinking has been too small in the kingdom of God. Anybody there? Anybody ever been there before? Uh, we, we marginalize the power of God and the kingdom of God. And it's my job here starting today to hopefully unveil to you and I. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe it's just new to me. I, my, I'm thinking that it's probably something that you've not really focused on. But we're going to come to you from a different perspective today and exactly what the kingdom of God is about. So I'm excited about that. And I want to welcome Pastor Dale Endress, very dear friend of mine. Pastor's right here in Cincinnati, and we go to lunch together. We dragged him to Israel with us last time. We had a great time, and he's a wonderful dear friend. He's brought a friend of his with him, and so welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, if you will, I'd like for you to stand for the reading of God's Word. I've, I've chosen the subject title, God's Original Purpose for Us. God's Original Purpose for Us. If you're here, have you ever thought to yourself, why am I here? I know I have. Any, can I say a show of hands? Why am I here? I mean, why are we even on earth? I, I've been there, done that, bought that t-shirt. And so that's what I hope to accomplish in an introductory message today. We're going to flesh this out over several weeks. God's original purpose for us. And I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Pete, that's in the Old Testament. It's the first book. You got it? All right. <laughs> Genesis 1, 26 through 28, if you've got it, I want you to shout out a good amen. And it's going to be on the overhead here, so I want you to, to take a look here. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, because this is chock full of some great stuff that I'm going to, I'm going to hit it today, and I'm going to keep hitting. Now, as, as, stuff, as stuff just rises in you and revelation hits you, and those aha moments, take those composition notebooks, write your name in them, and just make notes, bring them back each week, because I promise you're going to want to refer back to this over and over and over. You're not going to catch everything I'm saying today. That's why I'm going to have to repeat things through the several weeks and for us to get it in our spirit. It's one thing for our head, it's another to get it in our spirit. Someone say amen. Because when you get it in your spirit, that's where faith ignites, and that's where things change. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 and if you got it, shout out amen. amen. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth. 
and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea. I want you to notice how many times God is saying rule, rule, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Father, I thank you so very much for your presence here. I thank you for you are the king of glory. I thank you that you have saved us. I thank you for your rich word, God, that you're about to reveal to us. And I just pray you anoint me to communicate clearly and in a way that we can understand and we can grasp in our spirits. Let it ignite in our souls and our spirits and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, anoint me to preach forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's hold our Bibles up and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody if they don't have a red breastplate on or a yellow one and, or give them an air high five. How about that? Let's just do the air high fives. If you watch baseball, when they get a game-winning home run, they all stand around and they do like this, six feet apart. It's kind of funny. Yeah. When the Roman Empire was in its heyday, it was a huge kingdom that kept getting bigger and bigger. The Caesars continually sent out their armies to take new territory. But they wouldn't just take new territory and kill everybody. They would try to colonize it. When a new territory came under Roman control, the Romans would use force to try to make that new territory as Roman as possible. They would build Roman temples. They would institute Roman religion, which involved the worship of Caesar. They would institute Roman baths, education, arts, culture. They built Roman baths. They would do everything they could to make the new territory just like Rome. Why would they do that? They did it so that if Caesar ever came there, if he ever made a trip to the new land, that it would feel at home to Caesar. So that when Caesar left... Rome and he went to this new territory it would feel like home to him it would feel familiar to him it would feel like his kingdom I'm going somewhere that is what the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is in heaven is instituted on this earth so that God's government God's teaching God's miracles God's power, everything to do with the kingdom of God can be implemented on earth so that when the king of that government shows up to this earth, it feels like home. Somebody shout amen. That's why Jesus prayed in what we often call the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom what? Thy will be done where? As it is where? I'm just getting somewhere here. You just hang with me. I'm going somewhere. So you can know what the human body does, but not know why the human body is. You can know the product and not know the purpose. Who is man? Why was man created? Why were we put on this planet? 
Why couldn't God just create us and leave us in heaven for us to worship Him there? What is our purpose? Where did we come from? What can we do? Where are we going? Poke your neighbor if they don't have a red bracelet and say, where are you going? <laughs> In the Old Testament, man's attempt to find God was done through following the rules and regulations after sin. You had to follow all these rules which no man could do in their attempt to try to please God. They created a religion. They created something that would let them in on the in crowd, but then the Gentiles were on the out crowd. And they were segmented on ins and outs, all three, even in the temple. You had the court of women, but then the women couldn't go there. But then the Gentiles had to stay out of there. And then the men could come here, but then the priest could come here. But then the holy, only the, uh, the, the high priest could come to this section. And so it was all based on rules and regulation and religion and trying to keep God from killing them. And it, was, it, was, it became this uh, unattainable religion that went permeated throughout the entire Old Testament. Man could not live unto it. Man, man tried his best, but man failed miserably. Somebody say, oh no. But at the very beginning of the New Testament, and now here's where I'm, I'm going to begin to lay a very big sound, uh, a foundation, so stick with me. At the very beginning of the New Testament, God said, wait a minute. Religion is about people trying to find God. But now I'm going to find you. The very first message in the New Testament, I want you to catch it, was John the Baptist. He was preaching in Matthew 3 and 2, and he said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is what? At hand. This is a different message. You don't hear kingdom message as much in the Old Testament. But it's like there's a new sheriff in town. A new time era had come to pass. And now God was saying, hey, my kingdom is now at hand. John the Baptist is preaching, first of all, repent. And I have preached this before. The first message was repent. But what I've missed and failed to focus on was that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. In other words, God has come down his kingdom to earth to change things on the earth. Watch this. To bring it back to where it was with Adam and Eve before sin. Adam and Eve had it one way, sin messed it all up, and God came down in Jesus Christ in the flesh and said, I'm going to take it back to where it was in the Old Testament before sin happened. Somebody say amen. Not only did John the Baptist come preaching that first, so did Jesus, his first message in Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for what? The what? The kingdom of heaven, say it with me, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is coming to the earth. Now watch this. I'm telling you, you get ready. The original plan of God was to extend his heavenly kingdom to earth. God's plan to do this was to create a family of offspring that would represent him on earth and carry everything out from the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. God never intended to start a religion. Somebody shout hallelujah for that one. Why? Religion is about us trying to find God. People who are religious are searching for something because they are lost. As a matter of fact, there was no religion prior to sin because prior to the fall, man was not lost. 
But after the fall, after sin came in, man began to try to find their own ways to get to God. In the creation story, in the beginning of Genesis, I want you to catch this. We do not find the establishment of a formal religious system. God never created a religious system. He created a relationship. Man, I'm going somewhere. People only got religious after they attempted to find God would fail. So they tried harder and harder. And now in these different religions around the world. And even in biblical Christian churches. You find people still trying to find a way to please God. Instead of just receiving who they are in the kingdom. What does God call us? I don't care what the world says we are. I don't care what society says we are. I don't care who the devil says we are. What does God call us? Let's, let's take a look at this because you've got to understand this and it's foundational for where I'm going with this whole series. We are sons, not subjects. Write that down. We are sons, or if you're a woman, you're a daughter, you are sons or daughters, not subjects. Now, when you think of the word king and kingdom, it automatically implies subjects. And you think, and our mindset is, the king's up here, and you're the lowly peasant, and you're going to do what he says. And if it's extortion, that's your problem. If it's Gestapo, that's your problem. If it's the mafia, that's your problem. You're subject, and that's the end of the story. But that is not how God created things. That is not God's plan for us. I'm going somewhere. God is indeed a king. No doubt about it. But God never wanted subjects. He wanted sons. He never wanted subjects under his thumb that he could press down on. He wanted children. And I'll explain why here in a little bit. He does not want to rule us Rather, he wants a family to share in rulership with him. Man, I'm, I'm going somewhere. This stuff's exploding in me. God's kingdom, watch this, has no subjects. It has no peasants. It only has children. We are members of the royal family. We're not subject to the king, although we are subject to his word. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying in the sense of a peasant. No, 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 no. We're children of the king. We are blood related. <laughs> that doesn't mean we're not subjected to his word. Just like a child is subject to the word of the parents. And every home is different. Holly and I have rules and regulations. And if you live in our house, those are our rules and regulations, period. It's our home, it's our domain, it's our rule. We don't thumb it under you, we don't force, we're not Gestapo. But there's certain things we allow and certain things we don't. Every house is different, right? It's the same way in the kingdom of God. While we are children of the king, we are still subjected to his word and what he has to say. In God's kingdom, though, watch this. Everybody is related to the king. <laughs> We are all, watch this, born again into the kingdom of God. God's purpose was to establish a family of sons, not a household of, of slaves or subjects. So watch this. In Christ we are all heirs. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Look on the screen behind me. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are 
the subjects of God. Is that what that says? These are the slaves of God. These are the what? What does he call you and I? For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as what? Sons by which we cry what? See, I'm already, I can already tell I'm already messing with some of you. I can already tell I'm messing with some of you because I'm messed with. It's so easy to see yourself in that slave mentality of I've got to work harder. I've got to work deeper. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. Wait a minute. I am part of the family. Never once do my kids open their fridge and say, Dad, can I please, if I work hard enough today, if I vacuum the car and cut the grass, if I clean the house, can I please have something to eat? No. They look at me and they say, pass the biscuit. They open the fridge which is full and the pantry which is full, but they don't have exactly what they want and they say, we don't have nothing to eat. The Spirit Himself testifies, watch this, with our spirit that we are what? What are we? You've got to catch this revelation. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may be glorified with Him. Oh, I love that. You know, I love all of you. You're like family to me, but I have to be honest. When the day comes that me and Holly die, we're not giving what inheritance we might have to all of you. I'm so sorry. We're giving it to my three children. Why? Because that's my blood family. God right here said, guess what? You're the same blood family and the same heir to me now as if, as if just like Jesus Christ. I see you no different. You're adopted. You're part of my family. My kingdom is yours. Woo! We are citizens, not members of a religion. Man, I need you to catch this. Did you know that pagans were the ones that labeled Christians Christians? The name Christian was actually a derogatory. Now, I'm splitting hairs here for just a second, but I'm going somewhere on purpose. The name Christian was actually a derogatory label by pagans to identify people who walked with Christ. As a matter of fact, let me blow your mind. Did you know that the word Christian only appears twice in the New Testament? And Christians only once. Only three times do you find it. Once you find uh, Agrippa telling Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Another time, Peter's writing to someone that says, be like a Christian. In other words, emulate, act like, and I'll flesh that out here in a minute. But where did the word Christian come from? It was pagans, and it's found in Acts eleven twenty six. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, this is Paul, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable members, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Watch this. To be a Christian means you have to live up to pagan expectations. And it carries baggage with it, and it carries negative connotations. But to be a son, all you got to do is be like daddy. Christianity was never a term given to us by Jesus Christ or the apostles. 
The term Christian was never meant to be a title or a label to identify, but rather a lifestyle in which we live. That's why they were called Christians at first in Antioch, because the people looked at them and they said, you know, Christian means to be in the same way with Jesus, and y'all folks look just like the way he lived. Man, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm telling you right now, to be a Christian means to walk like Jesus walked, to talk like he talked, to think like he thought, to, do, to emulate a lifestyle, but we're not actually called Christians. It is a description of the culture of the kingdom through our lives on earth. This is why they were called that. So you know what? We need to stop trying so hard to live like Christians and all the false assumptions that assign with it. And I say we need to start living like sons and daughters. We need to start living like ambassadors. We need to start living like children of God. Like, 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 the, like who God called us. To, watch this. Like brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ. And there is a difference. John 1, 12-13 says this. But as many as received Him, Jesus, to them He gave the right to become what? To them he became, gave them right to become Christians. Is that what it says? Children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Watch this. You've got to catch this. Who were born, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, he said, when you receive Jesus, catch this now, you are now born of God. You have a new DNA. <laughs> You're raised in Christ. You've got a new kingdom that you, you live by. You're a new citizen. You are now born again. When you accept this, why it's so important to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because when you do, you are now born of a different kingdom. You have different rules and regulations you now sub sub subscribe to. You have different power and miracles you have access to. Something changes when you give your life to Jesus. You are now born of God and your citizenship changes you got dual citizen now you're a citizen of, of, of earth and right here on in the united states and you're a citizen most importantly when you're born of god in heaven and why is that important i'll tell you here in just a little bit a kingdom consists of a king with citizens citizenship check this out is essentially i'm gonna get legal on you so chris you're gonna love this part because you've got a legal mind Citizenship is essentially a legal entry with rights and privileges protected by the king and his government. It's about legality. Too many Christians are religious people, but citizens are legal people. You see, you can live, as we both well know, in this country without having legal citizenship. There are people all over the United States that are here illegally. You can do that. You can live your whole life like that. It's not a political message. It's just to tell you that those people, when they do that, they do not gain, watch this, all the rights, all the privileges, and all the things that the United States government offers to its citizens like you and I. Oh, man, I'm going to go somewhere. In the same way, when you are born of God... <laughs> You now come under a different rule where you have different privileges, you have different rights, you have different advantages that you are now privy to, that you now have access to, that previously you did not. 
It doesn't mean you can't live on this earth because we do. It just means when you have that, when you're born of God and you have the kingdom of God in your heart and you're born of the kingdom of God, you now have legal things available to you like healing, like provision, like miracles, like salvation. Oh man, I'll go on and on. Like you and your whole household being saved. Like everybody being healed. Man, I'm going to preach to somebody. Like provision. Like, 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 the, like everything you could possibly need in earth. Guess what? You now have access to because you're a legal citizen. Legal citizens of a country are usually legal by birth. However, we know you can go through a process to become a citizen and receive those rights and privileges. Listen, when you're born again into the kingdom of God, you're born into a kingdom that has everything you could possibly need and for you to give out to bless the others. Are you seeing this? Religious people have no rights, but legal people do. I'm going to say it again. Religious people have no rights, but legal people do. Well, show me in the Bible where it says I'm a citizen. I'm glad you asked. Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in the United States. For our citizenship is where? In Folks, we're wanderers. We don't live at home. Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship belongs to a greater kingdom. Our allegiance is to the king of kings who doesn't need our vote on November 3rd. Our citizenship is to the Lord of lords who bows to no one, but to one that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Man, I'm going to preach to somebody. Our allegiance is the one who's never lost a battle. He's never even come close. He's victorious in all things. He paid for our sin on the old rugged cross. And we are saved by His grace. Oh, I come to tell you, you are a member. You are a citizen with the King of kings in heaven, in glory. And we can't lose. The Bible refers to our relationship with God with some beautiful terms. I'm just going to throw out a few to you. And you may say, well, Pastor, uh, we're called servant all through the Bible. It says we're servants. Yes, but the word servant there is another word for representative minister as like a government minister, a government official going in behalf of the government. Not as you're my slave. The Bible calls us saints. A person acknowledged as holy and virtuous. The Bible calls us ambassadors. More like this one. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore we are what? Ambassadors of who? As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. The word ambassador means an accredited Oh, you're going to catch this. An accredited diplomat sent by a country, in our case heaven, as its official representative to a foreign country. When Jesus was looking for a representative and you gave your life to Jesus, he said, you're my ambassador. That means when people see you, Pete, they're going to see me. What you say, I back. 
What you do, I back. Man, I'm going to flesh this out here in a minute. I'm telling you everything I'm doing is preaching is scripture, scripture, scripture. Everything you say, I'm backing it. Everything you do, I'm backing it. You represent me. This is why we don't live certain ways. This is why we don't live and do certain things. We don't want to give him a bad image of his kingdom to this world. He calls us sons of God, citizens of heaven and so forth. Now, we know Jesus is the king of everything, so watch this. I'm going somewhere. King means, watch this, the rule setter or the standard bearer. The king sets the rules. The king sets the standards. And we, as part of the family, fall in line. You can't be a king unless you have something to rule over. And one of the first descriptions of God in the Bible is Him creating things, creating trees and animals and even you and I. Thus far, when He had something made, He created, He now had something to be king over, and so He became king. Whatever a king rules becomes his domain. You can't have a president without a country. You can't have a prime minister without a nation. And you can't have a king without a what? Kingdom. To have a king implies that there must be a kingdom. I've got good news for you. Satan is not a king. Satan is not a king. Nowhere does the Bible refer to him as a king. As a matter of fact, if you want to boil it down, Satan is nothing more than an unemployed angel. Satan's out of work and he's ticked off. And he ain't getting unemployment. And he thinks fired is bad. Wait till he gets to real fire. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. But if Satan is king over your life or ruling your life, it's illegal. Now I'm going to preach a while. If Satan is king over your body and over your health, if he is ruling your health with all kinds of sickness and disease because it didn't come from God, it's illegal. And you as the foreign diplomat of the kingdom of God have authority to say, what you're doing in my body is illegal, so it's got to stop now in Jesus' name. You don't have the authority. You don't have the right. You don't have the power. Get out in Jesus' name. You are here illegally and I'm not taking it anymore. I'm preaching to somebody. If Satan is king over your marriage or if he's ruling your marriage and your relationships, folks, it's illegal. It'd be no different than the Chinese sending troops in here to take over the United States. It's illegal. It'd be like the cartels of the drug cartels coming to try to take over our city. It's illegal. If Satan is ruling over your finances, if he's king over your budget, then it's illegal. Man, is anybody catching this? What in the world are we putting up with? The devil's made us believe he's got a right and he's here as a thief, the Bible says, and he's here illegally. And in the name of Jesus, not my house anymore. If Satan is king over your emotions, if he is ruling your emotions right now through fear and anxiety and worry and the news and everything else that goes with it, it's illegal. 
God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. God's told us don't worry. God said we can give our anxiety to Him. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. It is illegal. Man, is anybody catching this? Kingdom, kingdom, king, domain. The king's domain, kingdom. That's the heart of the Bible. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, look on the overhead. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let me ask you something. Do you see the word worship in there? Do you see the word heaven in there? If all God wanted from us was worship, he'd have left us in heaven or he'd just taken us. I'm going to mess with you. Look over at your neighbor and say, he's messing with you now. I'm about to get in the nitty gritty of why we're here. Are you ready? How many want to know why you're placed on this earth? I'm about to mess you up. You ready? What you do see in this verse over and over in these few verses is to rule. The word rule means dominion. You want me to give you another word for dominion and rule? Dominate. God needed someone to rule, to have dominion, or to dominate some real estate called earth. And he said, you know what? I'm going to create man, mankind, man or woman, to rule a territory. You say, Pastor, you were way out there now. In fact, I want to tell you something. It wasn't just in the beginning, but how many of you want to know that it's in our future? You say, Pastor, you'd have gone crazy now. Sabbatical has made you mad. You have lost your mind. Remember, we go back before sin. God's original purpose was to dominate the earth. And I'm going to flesh that out here in a few minutes. But did you know it's our future as well? Matthew 25, 21. How many of you want to see it in Scripture? How many say me? You want to see two witnesses of it? How many say I want to see at least two witnesses or I ain't going to believe you? Okay, good. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you what? Over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You See, you just thought you were going to heaven to worship God. God said, oh, no, no. For my children who've walked this earth and lived for me, they're going to rule many things. Let me go and show you another one. Luke 19, 17. Are you catching this yet? And he said to him, well done. So he's talking about people coming to heaven. This is the afterlife. Well done, good servant, because you are faithful in a very little. Have authority. Have rule. Have dominion over ten cities. Folks, God's plan from the beginning was for us to have dominion and rule over stuff on this earth. Where did the natural desire for a higher power originate? The human spirit, watch this, has, has a desire to dominate, rule, and control their personal private world. Man was created to exercise power and designed to manage it. It was God-given. Watch this. We were created to dominate. Man, I, I need you to catch this. I don't mean dominate people. Listen to me. Hang with me. We were created to dominate this earth. That's why we go crazy when we're dominated. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to be dominated by anything on earth. 
But yet you find people all through the country that it gets to be late at night and there's a cocoa leaf that comes out of Columbia and it calls to them and it says, snort me. It says, smoke me. It says, shoot me up. And what do they do? They bow down to its commands and they let it, a leaf, dominate them. That's not what God's purpose was. Man, I'm going to preach to somebody. There are people that, in, that, that all around the, the world, I will dare say even in church, that will let fermented grape juice dominate them. They'll sit in their corner office making the big money, but at 11 o'clock in the morning, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there's a bottle over there on the thing, and it calls to them, and it says, drink me now, and they stop everything, and they bow to its commands, and they let that bottle of whiskey dominate their life. I'm going to preach to somebody. Oh, you got people that like to take a tree. Money is printed from a tree. And they let a tree that they're supposed to dominate have dominance over them. And they bow down and they worship this almighty dollar. And they let this thing rule their life. Oh man, I've come to tell somebody. We've got to quit letting stuff dominate us when we should be dominating it. It's not this tree that should have rule over us. It's the tree called Calvary that ought to run our lives. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Is anybody catching this? Dominion or rule are synonymous and derive their meanings from the same root words. There are two Hebrew words. I'll spare you the, the bad translation on my part. For dominion in the Old Testament. Here they are. And this is in Hebrew. They literally mean to rule, sovereignty, to reign, kingdom, to master, to be king, royal rule, and kingly. God never gave us ownership, but he did give us rulership. We are free to manage things as long as we stay right in the kingdom of God. So watch this. Mankind is intended to embody and represent God on earth. God's purpose is to have his will done on earth just as it is in heaven. You say, Pastor, where are, you, where are you getting all this from? Well, let's just look at Psalm 115. Are you ready? 14 through 16. It's a great blessing, by the way, but it teaches us something. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are whose? Whose are they? The Lord's. But the earth he has given to who? The devil. Who's the heavens belong to? God. Who's the earth been given to? He's given the earth to his children. The earth is ours, folks. We're the leaders. We're the managers of earth. As a matter of fact, you ready for me to blow your mind? Here we go. Lean up in your seat. God cannot even bind or loose here on earth because God isn't the authority here. If you're sitting on your couch, lean in. I'm going to mess you up. Ready? God cannot even bind and loose on this earth because he's not the authority here. Pastor, you've really gone out there crazy now. Let's look what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 18, 19. He's the one that set the system up. You ready? Truly I say to you, whatever I bind on earth, Jesus speaking. Is that what it says? Truly I say to you, Jesus speaking, 
Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on where? Earth about anything they may ask, it shall be done for my Father in heaven. Heaven can't do anything. Man, you got to catch this. Are you ready? Heaven cannot do anything. Let me give you some good South Georgia English right here. Heaven can't do nothing on earth without permission or access to who God gave the authority to. Is anybody catching this? Can I blow your mind a little bit more? Is this the Bible? Y'all looking at me like I'm preaching the Koran. Y'all thinking I'm way out there. That's why I told you, write notes and go back and search me up. God cannot bind or loose anything on earth because he is not the authority here. He is not, this is not God's domain. This is our domain. He gave it to us to represent him. So if nothing's being done on earth, guess what? It's because we're not doing it. Look at Genesis 1.26. The Bible says man was created in God's image. Look in your Bible. The image here, listen, I, I got confused. I used to think image, we're, we're kind of like him physically. Actually, the word image here is not referring to physical likeness, but it's two Hebrew words, and it literally means essential nature, copy characteristics, or essence. Man as a spirit being is an expression of God's moral and spiritual nature. So watch this. God created man. The Bible says, look in your Bible, Genesis 126. I'm going to walk you through this real quick. God created man. That means mankind, not just man and not women, but human beings. Watch this. Look on the overhead. God said, let who have dominion? This is God's delegated authority and dominion and rulership over the earth to man. God did not say, let us have dominion, but let them, human beings. Are you ready? Watch this. By these words... God established mankind, watch this, as the only legal authority on earth. God basically said, human beings, you have power of attorney on earth. I can't do anything unless you sign my name. What you say, I back. What you do, I back. I no longer have the power to sign myself you do it in my name. You have total power of authority. You have total legality to run this earth. Now I'm preaching to somebody. How many right now already wants to go home, open your front door, say, Devil, you fixing to get out of this house because you're here illegally? I'm preaching to somebody. God doesn't do anything on earth without doing it through people. God said, let them have dominion. This is where the natural desire of mankind to rule and dominate comes from. It leaves no doubt as to why he created us and what we should be doing. We should be ruling the earth. It's our established assignment. It is foundational for us. He said, let them have rule over the fish of the sea and over the beasts of the field. This defines the nature and the boundaries of the rulership of mankind. Watch this. Notice human beings are not on the list. 
We were never created and given authority to dominate people. God never intended for man to rule or dominate his own kind, rather rest of creation and the resources of earth. And we get confused sometimes. And watch this. I'm almost done. When you have a kingdom, you have a country, the highest crime you can ever create against that country or that kingdom or that government is treason. Treason is, a matter of fact, in every country, it's instant death. You just, you, it, because it's, 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 it's the ultimate betrayal. There's no question it's the death penalty. Why? When a government confers on any citizen the authority and the right to represent its interests, it has given the highest amount of trust. The higher the representation, the higher the responsibility, and the higher the trust. I'm going somewhere. This is especially true in kingdoms. So watch this. Therefore, are you ready to see how heinous our sin was? The fall of man was not just a personal act of disobedience. It was essentially an act of treason against God, our king, and his government. Our sin is really an act of treason because it violates what children, what citizens, and what ambassadors do in that government. And just like any earthly government, our treason, treason excuse me, was punishable By death. I'm going somewhere. Because in effect, Adam declared independence from God's kingdom government, which was heaven, and severed the relationship with the king of heaven, and that's what our sin did. He abandoned his position as ambassador. He lost dominion over the earth. Our treason against God and his kingdom was punishable by death, and that's what we deserve. But, oh, God sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus, who came down and he said, you know what? I'm going to take the consequences for their treason. I'm going to take the penalty for their treason. I'm going to take the heinousness of the treason of their sin against the king and his government on my shoulder. And it'll be as if they never did it. So guess what? When you gave your life to Jesus, you got reinstituted back into his government. Back into his kingdom. You got citizenship again. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. Not only did you do that, he called you children again. Not only that, he said, you know what? I'm going to do something no other government in the world would ever do. I'm going to make you an ambassador and send you back out in behalf of my country. If an American spy got caught in Russia or doing, you know, feeding the Russians and, they, and America found out they were spies, if they didn't get killed, the government would never send them back. The kingdom of heaven does. He says, I'll send you back out. Anybody catching this? Last question I'm going to answer, we'll pray. How do I get what's in heaven here? Okay, pastor, I have rule and I have dominion. And I know who I am in Christ now. But how do I get what's there down here? Prayer. Poke to your neighbor and say, prayer. We gain access to heaven. Healing, provision, power, liberty through prayer. If something isn't happening on earth, it's because we're not allowing it to happen. Prayer is constantly giving God permission to interfere in the affairs on earth because we're the ones with the license. We're the ones that say, God, I give you access to come and work. And Are you catching this? 
And yet the average American maybe says a prayer over their meal and a night-night prayer. What are they losing out on getting access to on this earth? God can only release what you allow. That's why Luke 18, 1 says this. Now he was telling them, Jesus speaking, a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Ought to pray. In other words, he knew there'd be something we should be doing all the time and we're not. If we don't pray, nothing happens. Folks, who's talking here? Jesus, the one who set the system up. We aren't supposed to go, let me mess with you. We're not supposed to go to prayer meetings. We're supposed to be a prayer meeting. We are not supposed to go to prayer meetings. We're supposed to be one. We're supposed to be a prayer meeting at the grocery store, at the gas station, on the side of the highway, everywhere we go, at school, at church, in the neighborhood. We are walking, talking, prayer meetings. Somebody say amen. Keep on praying if you want God to interfere, folks. You know what John Wesley said? Prayer is strange. It seems as if without God, we cannot. And watch this. He says, and without us, God will not. All right, let me, let me do one more scripture and we're going to pray. You ready for this? Are you sure you're ready? Y'all are looking at me like this ain't good news today. I feel like a bird let out of a cage. I, I feel like, you ever been, you ever, you ever caught somebody lying to you? You're like, I've been lied to. I feel like, devil, you've been lying and I've been buying. But I ain't buying what you're selling no more. You're illegal. You're illegally in this kingdom and no more in Jesus' name. You want to hear what Jesus said? How many want to hear what Jesus said? Are you sure you want to hear what Jesus said? Oh, no, I can tell you I want to be out in that parade. Do you all want to hear what Jesus said? Matthew 16, 18, 19. Are you ready? I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Can hell stop us? Okay, watch this. I will give you the keys of the what? We have the keys. I have a question. What doors are we not opening? Watch this. Here's what Jesus said. Whatever I, the Son of God on earth, shall abound, will be bound in heaven. Is that what he said? He said, whatever you. This is the second time Jesus says this. Whatever you bind on earth shall be where? Bound where? In heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Two different scriptures in Matthew. Jesus said, you and I have the power to bind and loose. We're the ones with that authority. We're children of God. We're ambassadors. Listen, when an ambassador goes to Angola or China or Russia or Venezuela or any country in the world, watch this. It goes not only representing the United States government and the President of the United States. It goes in the full rights, authority, and power and backing of the United States. Guess what? You and I are ambassadors and we go in the full backing, the full authority, the full power of the King of Heaven. Is anybody catching this?
Look, I know this is a lot. That's why I gave you composition books. Go back and watch it again, and we're going to keep delving through this. But how many of you right now feel something rising in you like, oh, okay, now you don't woke up a sleeping giant. Uh, yeah, now we're, it's on, devil, <laughs> because I, I know who I am. And God, is there anybody like me? Are you looking at this going, what, what, what? What have I been putting up with? Are you, what? From who? Do you know what Isaiah says about him? He says, one day we're going to look at the devil and go, is this, this is the one? Him? That's the one that messed with the nations? and This? Are you kidding me? I feel something swelling up in this place. I can tell you now, in the name of Jesus, it's not God's time this second. But we will have a building. The devil will not stop us. The devil has thrown everything he can. It ain't going to work. Uh-uh. I done found out something. I'm a king's kid. And I'm here under as a pastor and an appointment of God. And you are here as members, an appointment of God. And in the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, we're going exactly where God wants us, exactly the territory we're supposed to be in, and we're going to rule and dominate that in the spirit world in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, crime's going to go down, healings are going to go up, police are not going to have anything to do. Man, I'm coming to preach to somebody. I'm telling you, something needs to rise up in some of us and say, I've had enough. Get out of my house. Get out of my life. Leave my marriage alone. Get away from my children. Get out of my body sickness. In the name of Jesus, I'm a king's kid, and I've got citizenship in heaven. Hallelujah. Man, they're going to lead us in worship, but I want you to sit right where you're at. Turn it into a place of prayer. If you're like me, light bulbs have just gone off everywhere. I want you to turn your seat right there into an altar. Maybe you, you, you want to get down on your knees and put your elbows on the chair. We're going to be wise here today, but I, I want you to pray. Surely something exploded in you you're not a sinner saved by grace you're a child of God you're a saint you're an ambassador for Christ you're a son or a daughter of God you're a representative of his kingdom you're born of God praise God hallelujah Maybe you're dealing with some kind of sickness or someone you love is. I want you to pray right now. Pray. Pray and ask God for access to what's in heaven to come down on earth and heal that person. Glory to God. Maybe you've got lost family members. The Bible says you and your whole household will be saved. Pray. Pray and ask the king of, of, of kings and, and his government and say, oh God, I ask for access. For the power of salvation to hit my children, my, my family. What do you need? Do you need a miracle? Heaven's got them. Pray right now and ask for access to the power of God to come interfere and bring a miracle. Glory to God. Pray, saints, pray. Come on, pray. Let heaven hear your prayers. Take the keys to the kingdom and open those doors.